Welcome to Embrace Your Brain with Dr. D. Joy Coulter. These short weekly brain bits give you fresh glimpses into how your mind works and how to develop its natural brilliance. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic, what are we looking at? We know that George Floyd, a peaceful black man, was brutally murdered. And we've seen that over and over. But is it an event or a tipping point? Are we looking at riots or peaceful protests? The thing is, our minds really want to settle on a point of view. But I encourage you to resist. Instead, I'd like you to try practicing wide thinking. I first came upon that term when I read an article some years back by a reporter who was interviewing an old Philippine farm worker who 30 years ago had been working the fields around Seattle. She showed him a picture that showed a sign of a flop house that said, no Filipinos allowed, and she asked him how it made him feel. I'll never forget his answer. He said, it really hurt if you were not involved in wide thinking. So here's somebody that could stand back and see so many aspects to a situation. So how can we do that today? First, we have to realize that it's our fears that push us to try to take a simple stand. We dread uncertainty, ambiguity, even complexity. And most of all, we fear chaos. Our minds want desperately to simply take a stand, close the books on what's happening, and set everything aside. But it's so important, if we can, to fight that impulse. Let's take a look at chaos, the thing that might scare us the most. It's quite unusual because chaos and order tend to relate to one another. Usually, where there's one, there's another. I'll give you two stories, one about a hot tub and one about a marching band. For a long time, I had access to a particular hot tub, and we'd get in there, and you'd look at the bubbles. At first, they looked totally chaotic, but in no time, they formed a Y shape, and they stayed that way. So as I was looking down, it looked quite orderly. But if I thought about the experience of any one bubble, it had no idea where it was going to end up. It was being bounced about by all the other bubbles, and it could have landed just about anywhere, and it didn't stay there very long anyway. So if you asked the bubble, it was experiencing chaos. If you asked me, I was looking at order. When I was in college, I went to the University of Michigan, and it wasn't a great football year, but it was a terrific marching band year. And we'd watch the band do actual fancy numbers where they danced the different tunes. So at one point, they might be configured to do a Sousa march. And then what we saw looked, looking down on it, to be just chaos. They were milling around and futzing and everyone going every which way, and finally, they got into a new configuration, and now they were ready to do the jazz number. So if we looked at them, they looked chaotic. They looked like they had no purpose, going in odd directions, overlapping each other. But if we stopped and asked any one band member, where are you going? They'd say, well, I'm going from this position, which was the Sousa March Band, and I'm going over here to do the jazz number. So at the small level, everything was orderly, but at the big level, it was chaos. So now if we look 
closely at the news footage that we see from around the country, we're actually seeing both order and chaos. Some folks have clear intentions, and others are just a milling part of the crowd. The majority are deeply upset and strive to be heard. And yes, there is a minority involved in looting and provoking confrontations. So what do we know? We know that everything began as an event. George Floyd, a peaceful black man, was brutally murdered at the hands of four police officers in broad daylight, and the film of that act was broadcast widely. We also know that it occurred at a time when TV and social media were being watched far more frequently than at any other time in recent history. We were all sequestered. There were no sports events or concerts to distract us. There were no other social gatherings to focus on. So what began as an event quickly became a tipping point. Some call it a point of inflection, a last straw, the final grain of sand before the mound would begin to slide. So if we're about to experience a cultural change, and if we're able to help bring about a healthier society for those that endured such inequality, what would that look like? Well, simple events do happen, and perhaps someone is arrested and it eventually fades. Social transformations aren't like that. They take time, and they go through waves of change and adjustment. And that's why it's beginning to be compared to the 60s. Where are we in the process? That's hard to say, but it's somewhere close to the beginning. But perhaps we're already making some valuable changes. In South Africa, the dismantling of abusive laws happened quickly, but then there were months of testimonies on national TV, the truth and reconciliation hearings, where everybody could listen to the pain of others or express their regret for having inflicted that pain. Some say that could never happen here, but if you listen to our radio and news channels this week, in our own way we are broadcasting many voices, testifying to their painful experiences or apologizing for not really listening or understanding. And while this can be a first step in healing, many would insist that we also must educate the children. But you know, perhaps that too is already happening. Because of these unprecedented times, the children have been home the whole time, and they've borne witness to the tragic murder of George Floyd many times, as have their parents. As adults and parents, if we can stretch ourselves to wide thinking, we can support the healthy changes that will soon be called for, and we can ride this wave of cultural growth skillfully. Then we can be a model for the children and guide them into a deeper understanding of what's happening and how to think widely as well. Thank you.